0: Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be.
1: Hello and welcome to the Yahoo Sports Fantasy Podcast. I'm Liz Loza. Over here, we've got Matt Harmon and way over there, we've got Dalton Del Don. It is post-Super Bowl, but we got other stuff to talk about because last you heard me Brad Evans and I were nursing some epic hangovers in Tampa, Florida. The Rams still hadn't lost the Super Bowl. And uh, what, I guess what I'm trying to say is that both myself and the Rams need some coffee. So you know what? Let's just get straight to that coffee talk.
2: Coffee talk.
1: So I changed my nail color before the Super Bowl because the championship nail playoff nails that I was rocking were getting a little bit peeled and then the Rams lost. So it's my fault, guys. Um, I know that the news that the Rams lost and the Patriots won is kind of stale by now, but we haven't gotten a chance to talk about it. So congratulations, listeners. Let's rehash. Dalton, I'm going to start with you. Any big takeaways from the game or your biggest takeaway, shall I say, from the game?
0: Yeah, I mean, obviously, it was a lower scoring than anyone expected. Just one red zone play is crazy. It's insane. The Patriots have three points over nine Super Bowl games in the first quarter. I had money on the Patriots. so I was fine with the outcome. But obviously, most people were, were disappointed. And they just, you know, in general, like higher scoring games. I, I do think the defenses did play well. And it was really interesting to watch the chess match of two of the you know, best coaches in the league. That, that, that was really what was worth this money's worth for me.
2: Yeah, it was, it's a much more fascinating Super Bowl to talk about after the fact than it was to watch. I think, I think there's a lot of things to discuss coming out of it. For one, obviously, uh, what a, what a job by Bill Belichick. I mean, to, yeah, what a job to change your entire Does he take any days off? No days off. He does, he does his job. Um, they're still here too, by the way. Uh, yeah, I, in general, it's just a great job by Bill Belichick to, adjust his defense on the fly, throw out a lot of zone coverage after they weren't doing that much during the year, a lot of creative blitzes. I mean, just a great back and forth between Wade Phillips and Bill Belichick. I think, though, Liz, for your Rams, Mm. there's a lot to talk about with them coming out of the Super Bowl to me. I think... And I'm not, like, don't take this as I think the Rams are going to take some step back next year because I I don't. But I think there's a lot of questions to be asked about the Rams. Are these questions pressing? I I asked people on Twitter today and on Instagram, too, because I'm trying to be cross-platform. What, like, what is the most pressing question to the Rams, which is, of course, the series we'll talk about later, but... I think you could ask a lot of questions about them right now. Obviously, everybody's focused on the Todd Gurley thing. Uh, To me, though, the two more interesting questions, I guess I would say three questions about the Rams coming out of it. One, how do they retool the roster after going all-in in in 2018 Mm -hmm. and falling short? There's a lot of guys that are going to be leaving. There's a lot of just contact questions in general. The second question, and I think this is probably could be the most pressing, but it's not really a big deal this offseason, is, is Jared Goff the type of quarterback that you want to pay top five money to? Do you want to pay $30 million a year? Because then you can't really do the whole all-in situation because you're, you're, you've got a potential Matt Stafford guy as your starting quarterback. You know, somebody who's a good starter, but not the Super Bowl caliber type of quarterback who's going to get you there.
1: So I have a lot of thoughts on Jared Goff, um, but I want Dalton to answer the Todd Gurley piece of it first. Dalton, there's obviously been a lot of speculation, a meniscus, an MCL, poor usage, question marks. Nobody's admitting anything. Frankly, I don't think that if Todd Gurley is hurt, it is his duty to have to tell us if he is or not. But what are you surmising right now, just days after the Super Bowl?
0: I don't understand why they are protecting him because it would please everyone if they just said, yeah, he was hurt. Sorry, we lied. And they take the hit on forever, not reporting on the injury report or whatever, because the answer that the game flow or whatever is conditioning just makes you wonder if he shouldn't be number one or even a top three pick next year because it just doesn't make sense for a guy who had so many touchdowns and played so well to suddenly not be used that way, especially when their opponent's uh, weakness was, you know, covering backs in the receiving game. And obviously C.J. Anderson isn't good at that. So I don't have an answer. It's really weird. It's a mystery. And now Gurley is suddenly, uh, it's a conversation of where he should go in drafts next year, you know, one through four or whatever, as opposed to a slam dunk number one overall.
1: So you're saying if it's some sort of crisis of faith or crisis of confidence or something, then that's more concerning. But also it's also, I mean, this wasn't a timeshare. He was on the field for... A uh, uh, two thirds of the snaps versus uh, CJ Anderson's one third of the snaps.
0: Yeah, I'd rather it just be like a reason why he wasn't used, you know, and, and wasn't as good uh, when on the field, like some scope or something. I, that's what I would personally rather heard. But uh, I don't know. What do you guys think? Am I wrong here? Are you still just, You just think this is an anomaly and it's it's fine. Treat him as an number one player next year. <sighs> Well, I think that depends on if C.J.
2: Anderson's brought back or not. Obviously, I think that will be something that's in people's minds if and when that happens. Um, they Don't say, forget
1: Malcolm Brown was the backup. Yeah. And John yeah. Kelly, the rookie, who won't be a rookie this year, wasn't used in favor of C.J. Anderson. So there aren't it's not like there aren't other options ahead of C.J. or that were ahead of him. Sure. You know, heading into the season.
2: Yeah. I would just think if they bring Anderson back, they'd, they'd probably be a little answer. bit more committed to, to using him. But What do do we know? I mean, I I don't think there's an answer. I don't think we're going to get an answer. And for that, we just have to we're just going to be twisting in the wind with speculation, which is why I think there's so many more interesting questions to ask about this team. But I'm with you, Dalton, that I think next year, next year's drafts. I mean, you'll, you'll obviously have to keep that in mind. Do you want, you know, a potential part time running back who is a great player in a great offense or do you want a clear workhorse back like a Saquon Barkley in a not as good offense. So
1: Marty made this point on mostly football today in that Todd Gurley's an excellent running back but he can't create the way that Saquon Barkley for instance can, right? He needs holes to be opened up. Yes, he's elusive, yes, he can cut, but it isn't a, he isn't as versatile. He can't burrow, for instance, the way that Saquon Barkley can. So that's that's just an interesting little tidbit. As for Jared Goff, Matt, I think you will attest to this. I had said numerous times that Jared Goff had struggled, right? And if the Rams were facing in the regular season an opposing defense that struggled against the run, Jared Goff was not going to have high passing numbers. I said it again and again on Fantasy Football Live, and everyone's like, but but he threw so much against the Vikings and then the Chiefs. And I was like, well, yes, but that's game flow. They're not going— to me, the fact that Sean McVay isn't going to use Jared Goff unless he has to use Jared, Jared Goff is telling about Jared Goff's floor and ceiling. Jared Goff, and uh, get ready to at me. Go for it. Nope. Okay. Uh, get ready to at me. Don't at me, bro. <gasps> <You> got me. <laughs> um, to me, is, a, is reminds me of an early career Tom Brady. He's a system quarterback who can't get past his first read and sees ghosts when he is blitzed. The difference to me between Jared Goff and Tom Brady is the fact that Tom Brady was a sixth round pick who was hungry enough and made a decision to become a, a psycho to sacrifice everything to football and really dig in Jared Goff is a number one overall pick who went to Berkeley. Let's be honest, he comes from a place of privilege. The stakes aren't as high for him. I don't know if Sean McVay can get into his head and make him commit to the game and chess match that is football the way that Belichick has done with Brady. So if you're looking at an early career Brady, though, and an early career Jared Goff, they are very similar.
2: I think that's a fair point. And I think that presents a lot of questions for the Rams to ask themselves Mm -hmm. because, and I think a lot of this will be decided by what happens next season. If Jared Jared Goff goes out and has a great 2019, then we're not having the conversation. I mean, in many ways, the ball
1: is in his court here.
2: Right. So if Jared Goff has a similar season to exactly what he just had and, you know, poops all over himself in the playoffs and big games or whatever, do the Rams think about doing the unthinkable, which is letting a clear starting quarterback, like, play out his deal and walk and then try to replace him on the cheap again. Now I would love to see a team do that. I don't think any team in the NFL has the stones to take their most marketable player, which is their quarterback and let him walk and willingly go into the quarterback wilderness. I don't believe any team has the same to I don't know if that team really is trying
1: that. to get season ticket holders to buy PCLs at seventy five grand a piece in a brand new stadium and Jared Goff, everyone knows, is the main reason you lost the Super Bowl. Maybe you're not as tied to him. You haven't sold that many jerseys. But like this it, is a money game. It is
2: a quarterback purgatory question versus a quarter like I said, quarterback wilderness, because are you gonna tell those same people that you wanna buy season tickets that are all right, now you're going with I don't know, some random goofball rookie or third, rank, you know, I, I, don't I mean, know.
1: do you think that the city of Los Angeles can market well that a team in the city of entertainment yeah. can maybe use a little bit of that Showtime magic? I, I think if any city can. And I also think that any I mean, this front office hired, as we all know by now, the youngest head coach in NFL history. Right. So I think they are not a franchise that is adverse to risks. And I also think that I mean, people are like, is there going to be a Super Bowl hangover? This team is so young. Nobody expected Sean McVay to get to the Super Bowl. Come on.
0: G- getting Cooper Cup uh, back will definitely help yeah. golf. But man, the, the Rams allowed just one passing touchdown in the postseason. Uh, that defense really started playing well down the stretch. I could see this team turning just full blown rushing and hi- hiding, hiding the quarterback. They need a For fantasy value. Yeah, fantasy value. Two months ago, I was all over golf. I thought this team was going to be aggressive. They were like throwing bombs, you know, up big. But the second half, things really switched. And I yeah, golf clearly has some flaws. So fantasy wise, I'm I'm more down on him. And that defense playing well, I'm with you guys. I love, I'd love it too, Matt. Different. If they if they let him walk, that would be amazing. If they if they just tried to to move in a different young, cheap quarterback it would never happen, but I'm all aboard that, that strategy. That would be, that would be interesting for sure.
2: I feel like this is something we talked about in Tampa. Uh, you know, I, unlike you Dalton, I was not sober in Tampa. So, I mean, I feel like we talked about it, but it's hard to remember the, the whole Rams letting people walk and all that situation with, with Jared Goff. But in the last question, I think of course coming out for the Rams here is about one Sean McVay. Cause look, I love Sean McVay as much as anybody else. I think he's probably right up there with Bill Belichick among, you know, the best coaches in the NFL but what I don't think Sean McVay has done yet, m- much like his quarterback, when things are going to script, when things are inside the structure of what he's designed, I think he's the best play caller in the NFL. But when he sees something he doesn't expect, when he needs to throw a counterpunch, I don't think he's developed that move yet. That's something I think the Rams have to ask themselves. Can he do that? I think he says I'm, I'm, it's only a second year, so I'm not saying he can't, but I, I think that's another thing that needs to happen there. A lot, of, a lot of questions for the LA Rams coming out of the Super Bowl.
1: Indeed. Um, I have another question. This one isn't so football related. It is Super Bowl related, but because we are dedicated to bringing you the best hashtag content all off season, I want to know which commercials from the Super Bowl were your absolute favorites, Dalton. How about you go first?
0: Yeah, so I was just in general. I'm at like a louder party, and you can't hear the commercials. And I don't know if you guys get frustrated with that, or you guys just watching situation, but. Um, I've since came across it. The Craig Robinson Deets nuts ones was kind of a juvenile humor. It was That one was kind of funny, I guess. But uh, really, honestly, I, I missed most of them just in the environment, which is an odd way to go about, you know, paying attention to football so closely and caring about it. And then you're at a party and, and half the people there are not even paying attention. So I don't know. I didn't really watch or get to hear many of them, frankly. And one other thing I will say is I was surprised if I were a betting guy, I would have bet on Rune 5 like somehow representing like a cap jersey or kneeling or something, you know, because of the controversy. And I would have got got that one wrong. I would have got that one wrong, too. So didn't pay nearly enough attention to have much of an opinion as far as the commercials of the halftime show. What about you guys?
2: Literally the same answer goes for me. Double.
1: You're all booze. First of all, the Doritos. Now it's hot commercial with Chance the Rapper and the Backstreet Boys was straight fire. Amazing. Go watch it. It combined all of the good things, um, including spicy snack foods, which are also a win. As for Maroon 5, like, I don't really want to do this. And this Maroon 5 thing was so off my radar until my timeline was so flooded with nonsense about them that I caved and I was like, all right, fine. But what I remembered, because as NFL media professionals, we are tasked with watching like every stinking game from August through February. And I remembered watching the Hall of Fame game in which Maroon 5 and Adam Levine were the halftime performers and in that performance Adam Levine who's like feeling himself in the moment he's got moves like Jagger it's all happening he like looks out into the crowd he's thinking about all that money from the voice and all the things and he's like wouldn't it be amazing if we if they hired us to do this again at the halftime in Atlanta at the Super Bowl and the crowd goes mildly wild (laughs) and then and then all of a sudden there's a controversy. I was like, dude, you were so thirsty. You begged for the job. You didn't think about any of the other pieces that might get people, quote, tilted about this. And so now you're, like, upset. Now you, like, what, you secularly meditated on the fact that this job was meant for you and you're going to move forward. Like, come on, Adam Levine. Like, you asked for a job. You got it. So now just own it and roll in your money. Yeah. And stop taking off your shirt.
0: Yeah, he was certainly padded, sure. that's for sure.
1: Ugh. Anyway, let's talk about Matt's division-by-division uh, division breakdown. That's a nice segue. Matt, I've never seen you without your shirt off. That's fine. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so you've been publishing a few columns a week going through each division and asking the major pressing questions for each team heading into the offseason in the episode last week Matt and the guys discussed the AFC South so today I thought we'd talk about the NFC South let's kick it off with the buccaneers a lot of changes going down and especially since we were in Tampa Bay what are your thoughts on that pirate ship
2: yeah very fitting um to bring you know bring it all back also, together also wait
1: I do want to say that Tampa Bay is a hotbed for foodborne illness can we just yeah <laughs> quickly so of the three of us, Dalton, myself, and Matt, two, got food poisoning while we were in Tampa. Um, I did not get the food poisoning. Dalton did, and Matt says he did, although I think it might have come from the 14 ounces of whiskey that he drank, rather than the sushi that we <laughs> shared.
2: This this, this podcast is, uh, I'm under attack. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, so is Jameis Winston.
2: Yeah, well, all right. Jameis Winston pressing question for the Buccaneers, I think, is where is Jameis Winston's ceiling? And I think you could make the case along with the guy, like just basically exactly what we just said, with Jared Goff and with Matthew Stafford. Winston probably number three of those list of that of that list of guys. I think they're all viable starting quarterbacks in the NFL. I think Jameis Winston has proven himself to be one of the thirty-two best quarterbacks in the NFL, worthy of a starting spot. However, much like I think the Rams will face this discussion with Jared Goff, the Buccaneers must face it at the end of this season. Where is Jameis Winston's ceiling? Is he the type of guy that we want to commit to for the long term? Now, they obviously have... Bruce Arians in there. And stylistically, you know, this is a, a match, match made in air yards heaven. Uh, you know, they're, I think, of the top three offenses. That was
1: good, by the way. Real yeah. good. Oh, I like that. Thank it. you. I really yeah.
2: appreciate it. Winston gained 66.7% of his total passing yards through the air since the 2017 season, the start of the 2017 season. That's the highest among 29 qualifying quarterbacks in that span. So. Stylistically, this is a great fit, but is it enough of one to kind of have Winston sort of change his ways to sort of stable out his playing his playing style? That, I think, is the question for this team, um, the most consequential one that they must answer this season. They have to come away from 2019 knowing exactly how they feel about this quarterback.
1: I think that that's spot on. I mean, he is also – I think the tricky thing about Winston is his streakiness. Right as well. I mean, let's forget the off-season. Uh, I'm sorry, off-field concerns right now. That, but like that
2: Bengals game, good God, that was like <laughs> one of the worst things I've ever seen.
1: It is a bit of a roller coaster with him, Dalton. I'm see if you're with me on this. one. it seems like Tampa Bay's front office is like, okay, but can we get a quarterback whisperer to? Even out the the highs and the lows and just give us more consistency. And you have to imagine if Byron left, which is there, assumedly almost being, what's the word like, procured or trained to be the next Bruce Arians, right? Like, it, it feels like there's some grooming going on here. Um, as a former quarterback, that that would be the hope. He certainly has downfield weapons. Mike Evans, a giant catch radius. Um, Djax or Chris Godwin, we'll get to that a little bit later, have some ability there. So, Are you are you leaning towards being all in on Jameis and thinking that that's the way that Tampa Bay wants to go? Or do you think he's going to be on a rather short leash?
0: Yeah. Tying it all back around. It was actually shellfish that got me sick in Tampa. And wasn't it crab legs Uh, that Jameis once uh, 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 stole from a grocery store? So Winston has just turned 25 years old, 7.9 YPA each of the last two years. So I would just give him a full leash for this year. You mentioned it, the weapons. Um, I want to talk about Godwin later. Yeah, 7.9 YPA at that age. I mean, yeah, I, I think there's a lot of upside. Of course, the, the turnovers and the boneheaded plays are there as well. But let's just see what he can do a full, full one more one more year.
1: Yeah. And I'd like to see what they're going to do with the backfield, too, if we're looking at the offense in uh, another perspective. Ronald Jones was a fairly high draft pick. Great speed. (laughs) has trouble catching the ball. And when you look at Bruce Arians offense, though, Bruce Arians loves those speedy receiving backs, a la David Johnson, Chris Johnson. So... It is hard for me to believe that Ronald Jones's days are not numbered.
2: There's a bridge here between your guys' two pressing questions, uh, and that's because I think a lot of people—I tweeted about this yesterday. Where is Le'Veon Bell's best landing spot? A lot of people actually suggested Tampa Bay could be that spot because of what you mentioned, Liz. Bruce Arians wanting a, you know, receiving type back there. I mean, Le'Veon Bell and David Johnson, when they're playing at their peaks, are similar players as receivers. Would that not be a natural fit? Now, the question, of course. Oh,
1: and he doesn't mind those vets. We know that about.
2: Exactly. Likes the olds. So now the question, though, is Tampa Bay currently actually doesn't have very much cap space. They just have over eight million, but they can cut a lot of players uh, to get that number down, they can cut Gerald McCoy with no dead cap. They can cut JPP with no dead cap. Curry, they can right? cut Vinnie Curry. They can cut Cameron Bray. Or DJX. DJX, as Dalton is, is going to talk about. So, a lot of these guys could see their days numbered. This roster could look very different. I mean, I don't know if they want to dig into all, they could also cut Levante David, I think, with no dead cap, but that's a lot of defensive players to start digging into. So, I think that's just one spot, one thing to watch out for is Tampa Bay a potential destination for Le'Veon Bell, and does it doesn't involve cutting a lot of these events.
1: I like that. Dalton, what about this D-jacks, Chris Chris Godwin situation?
0: Yeah, it sounds like Jackson was going to get traded or flat-out released. He said he wants to play for the Rams, whatever that's worth. Uh, O.J. Howard. That's nice. Nice. It's nice to want things, Djax. Yeah, Yeah, I know. I know. The turf there with the speed. O.J. Howard coming off injury. But Chris Godwin, just if he gets thrust in a bigger role, could be such a monster. I know he had such a disappointing game that one week late in the year where he had 10 targets, led the NFL in air yards that week, and had one catch for... Or ten yards or thirteen yards or whatever, but finished strong. I wish he hadn't had that big final week for his uh, team. People look at their his final stats because if Djax is gone, Godwin obviously not going to be a sleeper fantasy terms because everyone's going to be on him. But mm-hmm. man, I think he could live up to the hype, and I I'd put it at like a forty five percent chance to have a, as good of a season as Mike Evans or something not so crazy like that.
1: Definitely a it. player with some solid ability to ROI there. Um, let's move along to a division rival of the Bucks, and that is Matt's. Uh, A team that Matt has a complicated relationship with, the Carolina Panthers, obviously Cam Newton created a lot of buzz, whether it's his shoulder, how hurt his shoulder actually is. Was it his shoulder that's affected his accuracy down the stretch of this last season? It's a shoulder that he's had operated on previously.
2: Yep. And Cam Newton actually gave us some some answers to that. Just today, he uh, released his YouTube page where he is oh, going. Wow, that's
1: really accurate. To,
2: he's going to give himself no pun intended. Uh, yikes! He's going to give uh, fans a behind-the-scenes look at his life, like, and it's supposed to be it's this whole big project. Now, I ran, I ran a similar idea past my own PR team about a YouTube channel dedicated to a behind-the-scenes look on my life, but uh, my PR team told me that nobody wants to watch me drink beer and cook vegetables by myself. So <laughs> fall that, asleep yeah, watching YouTube right. videos. Yeah, so that got. Came- canceled. Um, but on Cam Newton's YouTube page, he actually said today that, well, one, he talked about how just optimistic he feels about his shoulder coming out of this, and the doctors agree as well that they were expecting a lot more cartilage damage to be done, uh, but they all feel pretty good coming out of it. He said in that video that he couldn't throw the ball more than 30 yards downfield. It was... it, it was we, we, we saw. Yeah, we it was it. very apparent, and he said that it was obviously just... Change. He tried to stay out there too long, and it clearly changed the offense and defenders were adjusting. I mean, that new Orleans game was like, it didn't even look like cam Newton at, at, at the end of the ride there. But so to me, the question isn't what will cam Newton be? I think we can feel reasonably confident about that, but it's more, how do we adjust more to help cam Newton? And I think there's a lot of things they can do here. Most of it is, I think elevating players like Curtis Samuel and DJ Moore. I think Devin Funches will walk in free agency. That's all but apparent. Greg also wants to come back. We know Christian McCaffrey is, is a good receiver, to me, I think this team needs a lot of help on the offensive line. So the key going forward for the Panthers is continuing to adjust to the evolving, changing game of Cam Newton. Well, that's and, what they've
1: been doing since they drafted him. I mean, what, what is the Carolina Panthers identity? Other than Cam question. Newton's present mood, level of <laughs> technique. What, I mean, like, they drafted these giant skyscrapers because Cam Newton threw it high and wild, right? And that kind of worked. Right, but then they were like, "Well, it's a really slow offense, so we can't do that. We need some speed to this offense." So then they add these DJ, Moore, Curtis Samuel, gadgety hybrid players, and it's a faster offense. But I mean, I, I just don't know what this. What is this team like? What, what are is, are they a running team? I mean, they've got a hundred and thirty pound running back. Like, I, I don't know.
2: I, I, that's <laughs> a great. No, that's a great question, and I don't know what the identity of the Carolina Panthers is. I mean, I think it's still. They were still last year too reliant on Cam Newton to bail them out, especially in pressure situations. And Cam Newton has never been, he gets out of a lot of sacks. He gets out of a lot of pressure situations because he can move. But he, statistically, yeah, right. For now, statistically, he's never been a good quarterback under pressure. Under 50 under fifty passer rating in two of the last three years when he's under pressure. So I think they just need to do a lot more to help him out. But you're right, Liz. What is the identity? Is McCaffrey, the feature player, I think Moore and Samuel actually complement each other better than people give them credit for. Because I think Samuel is a better receiver than people give him credit for, like as a, as a pure route runner in contested situations. He also had
1: an extra year of seasoning,
2: exactly. And so I, I think you're right. The identity of what they've looked for on offense has certainly changed, but I think that's for the for the for the best.
1: If you're going to go all in on a quarterback, then adjust to said quarterbacks,
2: especially as they are changing. And he's still the face of your quarter face of your franchise. Now, I don't trust the damn coaching staff to get all this right. So cutesy stuff. We all said there's a
1: new owner, though. And I I know, Dalton, you have some thoughts about CMC, who before you guys get after me, I know doesn't actually weigh one hundred and thirty pounds. Okay, that was me being facetious. But Dalton, talk to me about your concerns with CMC. Like where where are you drafting him, for instance?
0: Back to Cam Newton real quick. Weirdly, he actually averaged the most passing yards uh, of his career since his rookie season, highest completion percentage, and second-best quarterback rating, but we all saw him, and he clearly made some poor throws, and that shoulder just wasn't right. So if... This that was can the, be corrected with the surgery. What, Matt? This was the, his best
2: season as a passer by far. You're, you're absolutely right. Like, before the shoulder fell apart, which is why it's unfortunate we're still getting the same old BS Cam Newton narratives from the hashtag haters out there. This was easily, as you mentioned, statistically by any measure, his best season as a passer. And it's not that I think he changed so much as a quarterback, because I think he's always been an incredible passer for the most part, despite being a slight bit volatile. The difference was, they didn't throw deep outside the numbers as much. They have these guys who can actually get open. So you're totally right about that, Dalton. I think that's going to get overlooked at the end of the season here because people forget how it started, which was incredible for Cam.
0: Yeah, and those, those time when this bad shoulder affected his overall numbers. If he can get that fully back to 100% and with those weapons developing further, though most of them are young – Could be even a monstrous passing year upcoming. My question about Christian McCaffrey, I was swinging this more fantasy terms, and I brought it up because I don't know the answer because I'm unsure where I'm ranking him right now. Where are you guys ranking him? I mean, I think they're interchangeable for me, the Gurley, Barkley, Elliott, McCaffrey, and if Ingram leaves, Camara. So to me, those five, I'm having a hard time. Not that we need to have this answer now, but where do you guys have have McCaffrey right now in your ranks? I mean, up there,
2: and this is one point, too, to make just about the running back market in general. There's a lot of guys. There's a, there's a lot of guys that you might want to take up at the top there. You you listed off a ton. Melvin Gordon, he, he's as much of a workhorse as anybody. I, I don't know. I think McCaffrey's a top five back for me, no question. And again, back to the girly question we just asked earlier. Do you take McCaffrey over Gurley? Because you can certainly lock in the workload for McCaffrey more than Gurley r- right now.
1: Can you believe that a back of his size and stature and ability – can stand up to the number of touches that he's had over the past two seasons. Like McCaffrey heading into this year was a player who needed, who was being drafted at peak value. And I will admit being fully concerned about his ability to return on investment given that the numbers that he, given how high he was being drafted. He did that. So if you drafted, he actually beat those numbers. That's incredible. I don't know now if he can improve again. Like ultimately, I think the question is, does Christian McCaffrey repeat or do better than he did in 2018 in 2019
2: well the the one I, the one thing i would say about the workload concerns and can he hold up i mean he always has he was a workhorse at, in college sure. he was a workhorse not in his first season because stewart was still there taking a little bit of work but he certainly got a lot of touches as a receiver and rusher combined and then this past year he held up a, as a as a workhorse so right now i think history's on his side of course things can always change in a minute
1: And I would say to me, Dalton, if the Panthers do improve their offensive line, now gelling and chemistry is always one of those great misnomers of the NFL. But if they do what Matt is suggesting they do, then maybe I'm okay drafting him in the first round. Right now, he's not inside my top five, though.
0: Yeah, he'll be top five for me, just in some order of those five I mentioned. But definitely, things can change.
1: Let's talk about the Saints. Um, So Drew Brees is a stud. Everybody loves Drew Brees. He's like that good guy, 40-year-old quarterback that can't do anything wrong, except when you look at his numbers, huh, something has happened. Here is a top—he was the ninth most productive fantasy quarterback in 2018, the 11th most productive fantasy quarterback in 2017— People don't like to remember that. In 2016, he was a top, I think, four option. So obviously, there's been a decline. People will point to Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram and the elevation of the run game. I would say you clearly saw his arm strength depleting as the season wore on. He is 40 years old, and I think he does eat strawberries. So I don't know if that has something to do with it.
2: (laughs) And that is the most pressing question, I think, facing this team. Sure. The ending to Drew Brees is 2018 that that was meaningless, right? Right, like we're all we're all in agreement. That was meaningless, right? Because I think that's what the Saints should be saying right now. If you look at his last four games regular season, he averaged a mere 214 passing yards and threw three touchdowns to three picks, and those are obviously not Drew Brees' numbers. I don't think that offense was ever the same after they lost to Dallas, where mm-hmm. they really got rocked there. Now week 12, yeah, it was thanks the day the week after Thanksgiving, yeah, so something like that, yeah, sure. I, I just think they should – I don't know what they're going to do about it, right? Because they're obviously going to bring Breeze back, of course. But it's, it's a lot of it's, – it's it's something to ask. And I think, in, if the, you know, the Saints will focus on that they got jobbed and should have been in the Super Bowl yeah, and blah, Yeah, way, way, way. But I think they have to search their heart of hearts here because even in the playoffs, never once did I think this looked like the Saints' offensive old. And does that mean we're going to see – this, does that mean they're going to bounce right back and be the same old Saints, where everybody's good in the offense? You know, we're all like, "Wow, can you believe this random guy scored a touchdown? Look at Drew Brees, what a hero!" Or are we going to look at something different next year? Are they going to be more focused on Alvin Kamara? Are they going to Liz? Are you going to? Are they going to add different players to the mix? I don't know. I think they should at least be asking themselves these questions.
1: I, I think they absolutely should, and I. Feel like they're, it's like the Robert Frost poem, right? There are two roads diverged in a yellow one, and let's hope they take the one less traveled by. I think that they're going to stick with him. I'd love to see them get a real tight end, like a real stinking tight end, a big bodied over the middle. Let Drew Brees, who we all know is not super tall and has to peek over defenders on his tippy toes, like give him somebody that he can check down to on a regular basis. Michael Thomas has incredible hands. I mean, his efficiency is. Through the roof, but I do think that Drew Brees needs a weapon outside of Alvin Kamara as a check down weapon and somebody who can muscle through the middle of the field. And to me, that is a tight end because Ben Watson, I believe is retiring, but is ancient anyway. And clearly a hill that draft bunny from a couple of years ago isn't cutting Josh it. Hill. Josh yeah, Hill is not yeah. cutting it. And you know, um, so, so I think that's part of the issue. Dalton, what, what are your thoughts on bringing him other players? And I also think there's an opportunity here to have to adjust to uh, the same way we, talk, we talked about Cam, like adjust the offense to Drew Brees at his current state. And I mean, could we see like a Peyton Manning in Indianapolis sort of situation here where maybe in 2019 we're, we're heading towards that? We're like, thank you. You've been a great part. But like the future of the franchise needs a new face. I don't know what his yeah, I admit situation I caught, is like.
0: I, I admit I caught myself uh, thinking maybe Breeze is, is done here in that NFC Championship game. He couldn't really, did not look himself. Uh, but taking a step back, as I said, that Rams pass defense with Talib is just so good down the stretch. Just one passing touchdown allowed in the whole postseason. Breeze really just, his splits just got even more drastic with age here. I mean, at home, 21 touchdowns, 9.5 YPA on the road, 6.9 and 11 touchdowns. So big difference there. And um, I think he'll be serviceable. But when I'm ranking fantasy quarterbacks to uh, today's age, even even looking at my guy, Jimmy G, it comes down to if there's rushing upside and he obviously's never had it. So as far as fantasy terms, he's no longer like a top five potential there, but he'll be serviceable and, and obviously he'll have a great team around him next year again.
1: I think the rushing point rushing upside is an excellent point in terms of ranking and bringing it back to fantasy. So thank you, Dalton. Let's close things out with the Falcons. Matt, you have thoughts about a second year player.
2: Yeah, I mean, look, people will be upset that the that my pressing question was, you know, about their number two receiver. Look, do I think the Falcons have more pressing questions than what they can get out of Calvin Ridley? Probably, but let me make two points here. One, it's my article, so shove it. I'll write it what I want. <laughs> two, I think that the Falcons do have to—their big question, I think, offensively as a whole is just how— how how can we get this offense back to can we get a coordinator
1: please something
2: that it looked like well of course they went back to their new (laughs) old coordinator uh Dirk Cotter's back there but can we can Calvin Ridley be a part of getting this offense back to 2016 type levels where they were clear advantage while they've been a good offense the last two years I don't think they've been a dangerous offense now Ridley I can I was on Chris Harris's podcast this week and you know Liz, you and I are, are close with Chris, so you know how that goes, which is, you know, we had to rail against statistical weenies and and all of these, these guys out there that are going to be like, look, Calvin Ridley is going to regress. 10 touchdowns, 92 targets, no way. 69% catch rate, he won't do that again. But I agree with you. Of course, those are all things that are true. However, how much more room for growth is there for Ridley? I think there's a tremendous amount. I think this is a Great number two receiver. Guy that, you know, in reception perception got open at will against zone coverage, against man coverage. Is he going to be able to beat top press corners? No, I think that's his weakest point. But who cares? He has Julio Jones there. It's not his job. It's not his job. He's going to hashtag do his job. And I think... Like Calder. Juju, yeah, I think exact. You know, this is, I said that exact thing on Chris's podcast. That well, no, he brought up the Juju comparison. I said one of my biggest blind sides in 2018, of course, was missing on Juju Smith Schuster, and it wasn't because I didn't think Juju was, you know, not a good receiver. Or wasn't in a perfect role, it was because I thought there wasn't going to be enough targets. I thought that his efficiency numbers would regress. Wrong and You were being right. a statistical weenie. I was being a statistical weenie, and I don't think I'm ready to make the same mistake with Calvin Ridley again, who I do think, just like Juju, is a really, really good player and in a perfect role. So I think Calvin Ridley could be a guy that goes undervalued in fantasy drafts because of these things we Like the fan I think fantasy. Analysts could miss the forest for the trees here with Ridley, who I think is someone I'm really interested in watching you're, you're, you're uh, over the next first. 2000, the two thousand eighteen season.
1: Dalton, you are thinking about Matt Ryan, who was surprisingly, I believe, the second most productive quarterback in fantasy this year, which blows my mind. I mean, so much for the like high floor being the argument for Matt Ryan all the time. What, do you, what are you doing with him? Or are you just wondering what to do with him?
0: Yeah, just wondering. Love Ridley, by the way. Can't rank him high enough. Next year, coming off the so Ryan just had such a weird last three years: you know, the MVP season, the down year without Shanahan, and then a real bounce back last year. But basically, the same thing I said about Breeze: the lack of rushing upside. It's tough to rank him, you know, inside the top five or even the top ten. But as you said, he was top three this year. So uh, does that make sense? I mean, where are you guys putting him?
1: I mean, I think if well, I think there are a lot of pieces here in Atlanta because I think if Matt's right and. I think it was pretty clear that I was on the same page. Uh, If Ridley does further, he does continue to to progress, then that should help Matt Ryan and the backfield is an additional issue. You know, Devonta Freeman needs to stay healthy, but when he is on the field, he's an excellent pass catcher. Tevin Coleman is a free agent. I expect he will be cut loose where he lands, he has yet to be seen. Um, and can Ito Smith be more than a complimentary piece? I, I don't know, you know? So I think that the the backfield here, and if Devonta Freeman can stay healthy, then that I just gives, gives Ryan another check down and passing weapon that he needs, because I'm not putting a lot of stock into Austin Hooper continuing to ascend.
0: I yeah, it does true. figure the team will get more rushing scores next year, for sure. But yeah, those are, those are a couple of nice weapons for Ryan, but... But uh, I don't know. Just the uh, I don't know if he can do it again. But um, he, he's certainly not a guy. I I would be surprised if he he ends up on a lot of my fantasy teams next he year. He might be the nice value
1: play, right? Like that might be a nice value drop if you don't want to spend big. Kind of like what people thought Kirk Cousins might be this past year. If you want to play that game next year with Matt Ryan as a low low, you know, a cheap cheap buy, especially in like a two quarterback league or something. I bet he's going to fall because people are again a- a worried about him sustaining his statistical relevance.
2: If you don't count. Le'Veon Bell's franchise tag that he didn't actually collect any money on <laughs> this past season. Devonta Freeman was the third is will be the third highest paid running back th- in this comp- upcoming year, right which ahead is of Jared wild. McKinnon, oh, I believe. Red, no, redhead right of oh, LaShawn McCoy. Freeman's
1: oh, is, $2
2: oh. <laughs> <laughs> is your Siri talking to us right now? <laughs> My
1: Siri just started talking to us. She's wow, ready to get some takes. Fascinating. Well. Maybe we should let Siri take it over because I think we have talked this one up enough.
2: One last thing.
1: Okay, never mind.
2: If everybody out there is ready for the most righteous experience of their life, the AAF starts this weekend. If you don't know what that is, that's the new Upstart Football League, the AAF. You know, they've got a bunch of different teams, really interesting stuff. I have decided to declare myself a San Diego Fleet fan. Cause I'm buying in on Mike, Mike Martz's head coaching run here. Um,
1: Wasn't there a quarterback from the Josh the guy Johnson? In the, yeah. Josh
2: Johnson, uh, no longer obviously in the league because he went to the NFL. Uh, Mike Bercovici is a former Arizona state quarterback is the new, he's the new San Diego fleet quarterback. It's exciting. Terrell Watson starting running back there. Uh, Shontavious Jones. Anyways, the games will be on this weekend. Follow me on Twitter at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. I'm going to live stream my reactions to watching the AAF. So crack some beers. Come along. Have fun with me. It's going to be a great weekend. I'm all in. I'm all in, guys. I'm all in on the AAF.
1: It is fitting to me that a San Diego Fleet fan would drink boba-infused mimosas. So well done. You found your calling.
2: Yeah, this is it.
1: All right. So that will officially, Dalton, unless you have any other AAF
0: takes? (laughs) Dalton, do you have AAF takes? (laughs) Are you in? Just a just a boba is awful. That's all. <laughs> all right.
1: Just some boba takes. Uh, I got no more takes. But you can follow us on Twitter and submit your questions at Yahoo Fantasy. I'm at Liz Loza underscore FF. That's at Matt Harmon underscore BYB and at Dalton Del Don, aka Boba Hater. All right, we're out. Have a good one. Win big.
0: It was like those are, that gross those balls, right? Like it's stuck in the straw. Those are horrible. Those are the worst. I uh, I once I spent like twelve dollars at AT&T par- AT and T part at a baseball game for that bullshit. That was awful. Yeah.